Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, The Arise of a Pharaoh Who Knew Not Joseph. It will be focused on a study of Exodus chapter 1. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it's amazing to see how you stared the nest of your children and how, Lord, things began to be uncomfortable in Egypt because you had a plan for them to leave and you wanted to demonstrate how you would deliver them with a mighty hand. And Lord, we see in our day, you have acted with a mighty hand too. We are witnesses of your mighty visitation and the one that you still continue even until our day. Lord, speak to us this afternoon. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were seventy souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceedingly mighty. And the land was filled with them. Now there rose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass, that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies, and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives, and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing, and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon titled, God Commissioning Moses. This was preached on June the 3rd, 1953. We'll begin at paragraph 4. 
I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. I just have a little testimony before the prayer line. And just at the time that the promise is ready to be fulfilled, the Israelites were faring presumptuously down in Egypt. They were getting along all right. Or the great prestige that Joseph had had before the king by saving Egypt in the seven years of famine. And God had given favor. And but when there come time of the promise to be fulfilled, there raised up a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And they began a persecution. And it caused in the persecution to cause the people to go to crowding together and praying. And always persecution strengthens the cause. It's been through the age. Persecution. I have a great faith to believe that one day before the coming of the Lord, that our little differences will be settled. God may have to let communism sweep us together, but something will take place that will make us all one heart and one accord. If we can't have faith now for healing, how are we going to have rapture in faith? <laughs> We've got to have faith for the little things first before the great things. So there will be something that will cause, that's, all, that's in God's province, I do not know. But I've seen a demonstration of it recently, and that's what I want to tell you about. Then when God sent this little fellow Moses, he was born kind of an odd birth and a peculiar time, and God hid him away. It was God's election and calling of, to send Moses down there. Moses couldn't help because he was Moses. But how God preserved his life, it was predestination, foreordained will of God. And then... When he finally got him into the desert to herd the sheep of Jethro after he had become a murderer, then one day God spoke to him in a burning bush. In a, God told him to take off his shoes, for the ground was holy where he stood. And how that God led that church in the natural is a perfect type of the spiritual he's leading it today. He brought out Israel, the natural by signs, wonders, and miracles. He brings out the spiritual in this day, signs, wonders, and miracles. God has always, they've always accompanied God because God is supernatural. He's the creator, and his whole, there's nothing impossible to him. And when a man becomes born again of the Spirit of God, he becomes an offspring or a son of God and then he has the same type of mind that God does. The mind that was in Christ is in us. And we believe for the, for the unseen, for the miraculous, and just anything, see. And then we have uh, the Holy Spirit who comes to us and speaks to us concerning these things. And that's the whole purpose of these meetings, dear Christian friends. It's for no other purpose before God but that your faith in God might be stimulated to a place to believe him for the salvation of your soul and for the healing of your body. It was remarked to me just a few weeks ago by the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, from which I'm a member of that body of people. They said, Brother Bram, the only thing that's in your meeting that we've heard that you use so much of the time on divine healing, not enough for the soul. 
They want to sponsor a meeting in Louisville, Kentucky, Southern Baptist Convention, 70 Baptist churches in Louisville. Well, I said, sir, you do not understand. The divine healing part of my program is only the bait that's on the hook. You don't show the fish the hook, you show him the bait. I said, the people, when they see what God is, then the gospel catches them. That's for the soul. He said, you ever have any converts? I said, in the past seven years, I've had a little over 350,000 in my meetings alone, besides what others just went out. That's kind of stumped them. I said, where'd all these converts go? I said, to the church of their choice. I said, he said, well, most of them Pentecostal gets. I said, that's right, because Pentecostal believes in this, and Pentecostal comes, and Pentecostal takes it away. I said, that's right. You don't believe it, so you stay away from it, you don't get it. Many of your people come, and they get into it, and they see, and they believe on that, and they just go on. I said, if you just let down the board, I said, well, what about Christian science and a lot of those isms? I said, if you people would have stayed where you should have stayed, we wouldn't have had those cults. If you'd have went ahead and preached the gospel, a man's a supernatural being. He's hungering after God. And if he can't find the real food of God, he'll eat out of anything he can find. Now, I said, because he's a supernatural being inside of him. I said, that's the reason he makes automobiles and invents. He can almost create because he's made in the image of God. So that was it. Now, tonight, God is still God. And now when God led the children of Israel out, he brought down an angel. God has always used angels in his work. There's never been an angel of God worshipped, for he wouldn't stand for it. A true angel of God doesn't stand to be worshipped. But God has had angels through every dispensation. Recently, a man that belongs to a fine, full gospel church said to me, Brother Branham, said, you keep speaking of an angel at Disney. I read your books and so forth, an angel. said, son, that's an error. I said, sir, it isn't. <laughs> he said, God don't lead any church today by angels. He said, Daniel and the prophets and them had angels in the Old Testament, but the Holy Spirit leads the church in this last day. I said, that's truth. But still, there's angels. He said, not New Testament doctrine, Brother Branham. <clears throat> I said, oh, brother, sure there is. I said, do you believe that the Virgin Mary was in the New Testament when the angel Gabriel appeared? He said, that was before the Holy Spirit came. I said, then do you believe Philip had the Holy Ghost? He said, yes. I said, who was it told him down in Samaria to go to the desert Gaza for the eunuch of Ethiopia? Was it the Holy Spirit or the angel of the Lord? It was the angel of the Lord, not the Holy Spirit. So I said, do you believe that St. Paul had the Holy Ghost? He said, sure. You believe Peter had the Holy Ghost? He said, sure. I said, then when Peter was in prison, he had a prayer meeting at John Mark's house. Who was he? Come into the bars like a light and shine down on him. The angel of the Lord. Who was it? Paul, after 14 days and nights with no moon, stars, or nothing to show, and all hopes would ever be saved out in that storm was given up and gone. And Paul went out in the gallery, and after a while he returned out and said, be of a good cheer, for the angel of God, whose servant I am, stood by me, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God, give all of them 
But wherefore, brethren, I believe God, and it shall be just as it was shown unto me. In the Isle of Patmos, John, anyone would know John the Beloved there, had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the whole book of Revelations was revealed to John by an angel. And John fell down to worship the angel, a separate being from Jesus Christ. And he said, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify these things which must shortly come to pass. Is that right? Oh, yes, Christian. Angels of God are ministering spirits sent from the presence of God. But now, as the theme of my meeting of Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, when Moses started out, this burning fire that was in the bush, God told him, said, Behold, I send my angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you to the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Now, anyone knows that the pillar of fire that led the children of Israel was the angel of the covenant. Is that right, Bible readers? Which was Jesus Christ. Moses has seen the riches of Christ greater than the riches of Egypt. Reproach of Christ, rather, greater than the treasures of Egypt. It was Jesus Christ. He was in a pillar of fire. That was the same angel that was in that bush of burning, that same pillar of fire. And he's been the guiding angel through the years. He's been the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, nearly everyone in here shared my life story. And I say this with humility, with love towards all, trying to find favor before God. That in the day of my parting from this life, and when my task is over here, I want to go to heaven just the same as anybody that's in this building. Heaven means much to me. I've got a wife there. I've got a baby there. I've got, I've got loved ones there. I've got thousands of friends there. I want to go to, and above all, my Lord Jesus is there. And I want to go see him. And I know as a deceiver or a liar, I would never enter the kingdom of heaven. I'd be counted a deceiver, so I could not go, and I want to go. And that's why I'm here tonight, although it may be criticized in my, in my preaching and teaching, but I can prove it by the Bible, and God confirms it with signs and wonders following. And if God says it so, then no one has a right to doubt anymore. God has spoken. Recently in Houston, Texas, and this, just a moment now, a few moments rather, just as quick as I can, I want to tell you what happened. I was holding a meeting in Houston, Texas, at a, an auditorium which seated about, oh, I guess we had about 8,000 in the meeting. And in this, it might be people here that was in the meeting. And in the, the meeting, there was a, a clergyman of the city that said, Mr. Best of the Baptist Temple, he wrote a piece in the paper and said that I was a religious imposter and should be chased out of the city, and he should be the person that would do it. Well, now, that doesn't sound very much like a servant of Christ, but however, the man, he's young and had lots to learn, as I have and all of us. And so, Mr. Bosworth, how many knows Fred Bosworth? Nearly all of you. And he was uh, the managing of the meeting. And he said, uh, he come to me and said, Look here, Brother Branham, isn't this a disgrace? to challenge him. Well, I said, Brother Bosworth, nobody ever got anywhere by fussing. The gospel is not to be fussed, it's to be lived and believed. And so I said, Why, 
Why fool with one critic when he's thousands laying there dying to be prayed for? And he said, well, all right. In the next day, another big piece come out in the Houston Chronicle and said that, a paid ad, of course, and said that it went to show that I was afraid to say, to take up for what I was teaching, that in the light of the Bible that I could not stand on what I was teaching, and it showed that I wouldn't accept his challenge because I was afraid of it. Well, up in the hotel come Brother Bosworth pushing a paper under my face again. Here you are, Brother Branham. You see what I mean? Look at there. said, you ought to do something. I said, Brother Bosworth, that doesn't bother. If they be blind, lead the blind. Won't they all fall in the ditch? I said, let them alone. See, And I said, that wouldn't do any good. He said, but Brother Branham, for the principle of what we're standing for before the public, we ought to do it. I said, I don't fuss with anyone. See, I said, just be a fuss. He said, Brother Branham, let me do it. Well, I thought of old Caleb when I thought of him standing there about 75 years old. And he said, let me do it. I said, no, Brother Bosworth, not to fuss. I don't. He said, Brother Branham, I promise you I won't fuss one time. He said, but that man hasn't got one scripture. And said, I, I'll prove it before the people. And he said, just so the reporters are waiting downstairs. Of course, they keep my place of staying because I, in secret because I pray through the day, wait on the Lord. So then, in a little few moments, he said, Brother Brandon, you going to let me go? I said, Brother Bosworth, I don't want you to do that. But I said, if you promise me you won't fuss, you can. He said, I promise you. And downstairs he went. Well, of course, the next day, you know how the newspapers can write anything up. Ecclesiastical hair will fly, you know, and, and the, the debate. And they rented the big Colosseum, San Houston Colosseum, and thousands packed in there. Now, amongst the full gospel people, there's fusses about different things. One believes that there will be a millennium. The other says there will not be. One says he's coming one way and another and another. And they spent one baptizes one way and one another. And they argue about it. That's just like the rest of us. All through all other churches is that. But, brother... Here's the reason I believe there will be a coming together. They didn't care whether they was riding a one-hump camel, two humps, or three humps, or whatever they believed in. There was one thing in principle that was a doctrine of divine healing, and thousands swarmed in for everywhere and filled that big stadium everywhere. That night, Mr. Bosworth got up. He said, I promised that there would be no fussing. And there was thousands of people packed in. You see the picture of it in your book? And he said, uh, I do not believe in fussing, but I have 600 scriptures written out here that proves that Christ's present attitude towards the people is just the same today as it ever was. And if Dr. Best can take one of those scriptures and by the Bible disprove it, we won't have any debate. I'll just sit down and say I'm wrong. That was quite a wide statement. He said, Dr. Best, help yourself. And he said, I'll take care of that when I get up there. So Mr. Bosworth said, well, Dr. Best, I'll ask you one. And if you'll just even answer me yes or no, it'll settle it. And we won't, we'll let Brother Branham come and pray for the sick. And he said, will you answer me? And he said, let's hear what you're going to say. He said, was the redemptive names of Jehovah applied to Jesus, yes or no? That settled it. <laughs> Well, if he said yes, well, he's Jehovah Raphi, 
is saying is he's Jehovah Jireh. And if he isn't Jehovah Jireh, he isn't the Savior, he wasn't the Lord. So then you look for another Savior. And if he is Jehovah Jireh, he's Jehovah Raphi, and all the redemptive names belongs to him because he is God's redemption to the human race, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, that, that was it. <laughs> well, he said, Dr. Best, I'm, I'm a sh kind of surprised that you can't answer one of my weakest ones. So he just kept saying, wait till I get up there. Brother Bosworth said, all right, I'll just sacrifice my time and you get up. And so when the man got up and the moderators gave him the platform, he preached a very good Camelite sermon. I was rocked in a Baptist cradle. I know what Baptist doctrine is. He preached that, that after this immortality, when this mortality puts on immortality, that'll be divine healing. Well, sure, we all believe that. But what about this? If there's no, if we have no earnest of our salvation, the blessing that we have in our heart of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the earnest or the down payment. And if there is no divine healing, there's no resurrection of the body. There's no earnest of it. So we have the earnest of our salvation now. So after a while, he kept saying, and the moderators called him down. He didn't answer one question or nothing. And he got real angry. And he turned around and slapped another preacher in the face. And when he did that, and he had hired the Douglas Studios of Houston to come out and take six, eight by ten glossy pictures of him. Now, here's the remark. He said, I'm going to skin that old man, take his hide off of him, and hang him up on the uh, skin on the, my study door, rub some salt in it for a memorial on divine healing. Sounds like a Christian, doesn't it? So then he said that about Brother Bosworth. But the skin and it went the other way. So then when the, he said, nobody believes in that but a bunch of fanatics, a bunch of holy rollers. Raymond T. Ritchie. I don't know where you know him or not. Many of you do. He said to the moderator, could I have a word? He said, yes. He said, this bunch of Baptist clergymen here, did the Southern Baptist Convention send this man over here, yes or no? Nobody would say nothing. 30,000 people sitting there. He said, did he... Did you all send him? So one spokesman raised up and said, he come on his own. I said, that's different. Mr. Best said, Baptists don't believe in such nonsense. said, nothing but a bunch of holy rollers, Brother Bosworth said, just a moment. He said, now, if anybody here these two weeks that Brother Bram's been here that could show a statement that they've been healed by God since Brother Bram's been here and can prove that they're healed and has membership in these Baptist churches in good standing, will you stand up? Three hundred stood up. What about them? It's your best that anybody can testify of anything else still don't make it right. So he said, now, in other words, you can't support it by the word. You can't support it by your test, by the testimony. Now what you go to do? So he said, bring forth that divine here and let me see him do something. So let me see him perform a miracle. Brother Bosworth said, now, I'd be ashamed of that, Brother Best. He said, Brother Bram don't claim to be no divine healer. If preaching divine healing makes him a divine healer, preaching salvation makes you a divine savior. And would you want to be called a divine Savior? I said, certainly not. And neither does Brother Branham want to be called a divine healer. He is not. Don't claim to be. Just preaches divine healing because it's in the Word. And you can't support nothing else but what it is in the Word. See? And so then he, um, he said, uh, I'd like to see him perform a miracle. He said, he's here every night. He said, he never performed a miracle yet. He said, he just prays for the sick. And said, God performs the miracles. So then he kept getting real rough. And, and after a while... They started to dismiss the audience, and Brother 
Brother Bosworth said, I, now, my brother had told me that I said first I wasn't going down, but my wife and I, my brother, and three or four police, and I had my coat pulled up, and I went up in Balcony 30 and sat up there. And I was watching, and I watched those photographers. He had, he's, first, he put his finger under Brother Bosworth's nose and had the photographer take his picture like that, and then this way, pointing towards him, he uh, take his picture of six glosses, and he took all six of them. And then they had uh, a lot of the reporters sitting around, so they don't let pictures taken, as you see here in the meeting, because of the commercial of the picture. So then Mr. Bosworth said, Now, Brother Bram, I know in the meeting. If he wants to come and dismiss the audience, all right. He said, but Brother Beth said, I've never heard Brother Branham make a statement, said of such, and said his books are, are translated in many, many different languages of the world, and never did I hear him say he was a healer, and said, but if he wants to come and dismiss the audience, he's welcome, and said, I know he's in the building somewhere, but nobody had seen where I was at yet, way up in the top, and so they, he said, but if he doesn't want to, he doesn't have to. My brother said, now you sit still. I said, well, I'm sitting still. So... Just while I was standing there, or sitting there, rather, I heard something go, and then when I looked, something said, raise up, and I raised up. Brother said, sit down. My wife said, not now. And when people began crying, and they looked up that way, and they formed several hundred ushers, put their hands together, and they made a line because it was pathetic, even trying to touch your clothes. You know, it, it break the heart of an iron man nearly to see how some of the things go on in those meetings. And here, coming down from there, I walked up to the platform. I said, I'm very sorry that these things have to be. And don't let me feel hard at Mr. Best. I said, because he's got just as much right to disbelieve that as I have to believe it. That's why we're Americans. That's why the core, we're fighting to keep it America. Every man to his own opinion. I said, the only thing I don't think he was sincere when he said he felt sorry for those people. Here's people that was dying last week and well now. Even the doctor said so. And there's people laying there dying without a hope. The doctor's done give them up and trying to rob them from the only thing they have that'll make them well. I said, in sincerity, I, don't, I can't believe that would be sincere. I said, however, that's let him believe what he wants to. I said, but I was reminding when he says me come and perform, like they hit the master on the head one time and said, prophesy if you're a prophet. And do these things. I said, God doesn't do things like that. But I said, I only speak what is truth. I said, when I was born in a little cabin, according to my mother, who I believe, a light, a pillar of fire came in and stood where I was, was when I was born. About, I was about five minutes old. I said, all down through life, it's told me things that would happen. I run from it and so forth. And even many of the, my minister friends told me not to have anything to do with it. And one night he came to me as an angel and talked to me, told me to go pray for sick people. And these things would take place. And he referred to it to the scripture that it was the spirit of Christ. And I said, if I tell the truth, God will testify the truth. And anyone knows that God would never testify of a lie. I said, he'll only testify the truth. And if I'm telling the truth, God will testify of it. And if he doesn't testify, then it isn't the truth. I said, but I, as I, and about that time, here he comes, coming down over that audience of thousands of people. And the same man, Mr. Kipperman, which had wrote the awfulest article in the paper the day before and said I was a hypnotizer because a garter had left a woman's throat and said I hypnotized it off with hypnotism. <clears throat> I don't understand. <clears throat> the boy was Catholic. And he, he had to run forward, Mr. Kipperman. And when he seen that, 
He shot the picture. Just to see I said, now, I will not have to speak. He spoke himself. So I turned around and walked away. And Mr. Kipperman and them on the road home to the studios, they said, well, what do you think about that? And Mr. Kipperman said, I don't know. And Mr. Iris said, well, being a Catholic, he said, I believe that there is such things, but it could only be done through the Catholic Church. And said, the boy, being an Irishman, said maybe his people before him was Catholic, said maybe it is. And if it is, he'll finally wind back to the Catholic Church. And um, they were talking, so they went on down. So they said, well, they, Mr., they must put these pictures in of Mr. Best to get, to get the, for the next day because he wanted the glosses. So they just put them in the acid. The boy sat there and smoked a cigarette. One of them went upstairs for something and I believe laid down on a cot, fell asleep. And the other one, he went in to pull the nagonies out from the dark room out of the acid. And when they pulled out the first one of Mr. Ba- well, that minister with his finger pointing in that saintly old man's face, it was negative. And the next one was a blank. And the next one, all six of them was a blank. And when he pulled out the next one he shot, there was not only my picture, but there was the angel of the Lord standing there. The man had a heart attack. They come up to the Rice Hotel, but they had two men stand at the door and wouldn't let him in. That night, 11 o'clock, it was flowed away to Washington, D.C. on a copyright by the American uh, uh, Photographer Association. They'd taken the pictures many times, newspapers and so forth, but they wouldn't receive that. This was official. So then they brought it, and how many have heard of George J. Lacey? He's the best of the is in the FBI on fingerprinting research. He's in California at the time, and they brought him to Houston, Texas for a research to touch to find that. He took the camera, he took everything, he took the film, he, he took everything, went to the stadium and everything to check it all over and everything. Had it three days and nights under violet ray lights and everything else, he kept it. Now on the afternoon of the fourth day, he called and said, Now I'll give the analysis of what about the picture. All of us come in, there set the newspapers and so forth. I was sitting way back, about half as many people as in this aisle here. He said, he come out, he's kind of a red-headed fellow. He said, whose name is Reverend Branham? I said, mine, sir. He said, stand up. I stood up. He said, Reverend Branham, you're going to pass out of this life like all mortals. I said, I know that, sir, but thanks be to God, I'm prepared for that hour. And he said, uh, would you come forward? I said, yes, sir. He said, I submit this to you. He said, Reverend Branham, I've been one of your critics. He said, I've said that was psychology. The people saying this scene, that, that light, and that pillar of fire and so forth. Said they, they, I said it was psychology. I've heard of others taking it, and I said it was psychology. He said, but Reverend Branham, the mechanical eye of that camera will not take psychology. He said, the light struck the lens. And he said, it's the first time in all the world's history that ever a supernatural being was ever photographed. He said, the old hypocrite, which he meant the unbeliever, has said there's no scientific proof that there is a, a supernatural being, but said that can't be said no more. said, but here's a scientific picture to prove that there is a supernatural being. And one of them hangs in the Religious Hall of Art in Washington, D.C., dedicated to the place. The picture's under copyright. The studios have sold thousands of them. He submitted the negative to me. I said, sir... If my Lord Jesus thought enough of me to come down and have his picture taken to the side of me for the first time has ever taken all the world's history, I love him too much to commercialize his picture. I said, no, sir. He said, that's worth $100,000. I said, he said, now you'll probably be dead and gone before this picture comes into force. He said, but as long as there's a Christian civilization, this will live on. So I said, well, sir, no matter what it would be, I don't, I don't t- commercialize nothing. See? I said, I don't go out for people's money. 
That's true. God knows that. And the people of the world knows it. A people's offered me thousands of dollars. If I had to scrape up $200 now, I don't know where it would come from. I come in this world poor, I'll go out poor. And yet I've been offered as much as a one place from the big winery in California where a woman is healed with cancer on the breast, a million five hundred thousand dollars in one money order and I refuse to look at it. Big article in the paper. See, or refuse to even look at the check. It's not money. No, sir. I love the Lord Jesus. I love and the only way I can love him is by loving you. And being truthful with you, I'm truthful with him. As I serve his people, I serve him. I speak the truth. I've told the truth. Now look, the picture, we'll have one here tomorrow night to show you. It's a big pillar. How many have seen it? Probably many of you have seen it. This copyrighted thing goes with it. A big pillar of fire, about that big around. They said in the research that looked like emerald light, flaming, burning. You can watch it. I hope it appears here tonight. Many, many times it's appeared right in the meetings while I was having services. Has anybody ever seen it literally with their eyes in the meeting? Is there anybody present who's seen it? Sure, there you are. See, it comes right down many times, right literal while we're praying. And there, if this is my last night on earth, while I'm standing here in Connersville, Indiana, my testimony is the truth. God, the same God that led the children of Israel by a pillar of fire in the wilderness, is leading His church today the same. And that same pillar of fire is with us tonight. And as he led the children of Israel then by signs and wonders and healings and miracles, when he was here on earth, he did the same things that you see him doing tonight. Now he's with us, both invisible pillar of fire and by signs and wonders proving that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The scientific world knows tonight that I have told the truth. I have told the truth. God in heaven knows that I have told the truth. And God has testified to the people, I have told the truth. And if I would go home to glory off this pulpit tonight, my testimony would have to stand, I've told the truth. I've been in contact, direct, indirect, with many, many millions of people, maybe either 10 million people, all around the world. Hundreds of thousands and thousands and thousands has seen the wonders and the signs of God in the supernatural realm, just as Jesus Christ did it here on earth. We have people who doesn't believe. They cannot believe. The Bible said they were born to this condemnation. They can't believe. But those who believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, may the Lord bless you. And I'll say this in the name of our Lord, that the same Jesus that brought the children of Israel out of the wilderness, the same Christ that was the angel of a covenant of, to you ministers, the Logos that went out of God. You know what I'm talking about. All right. The same one that led them was the same one that walked here in human flesh on earth, returned back to God, came back in the form of the Holy Spirit, leading the church just the same tonight. And I'm so thankful to be represented with a bunch of believers that God has represented himself with, with signs and wonders. The Lord bless you, everyone. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, what a mighty thing it is to see how you did not forget your children of Israel like the promise you gave unto Abraham. And we know that there's a promise for our day too, where you said you shall restore our hearts to the fathers 
and how you have not forgotten us and you've sent a message that's preparing us to cross over the Jordan into the promised land. Lord, like your word tells us, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men to understand the things that God hath prepared for those who love him. So Lord, we thank you for your wonderful love. Be with us for the remainder of the day in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
dear what lay before the holy consuming fire all my works and all my deeds and everything 